This is Speak Earth. I'm Casey Bradford. Thank you for tuning in to this episode with Eric Kier. Eric is the founder of Based Supplements, a company that he started in his college dorm room, which he has grown to become a successful operation offering wonderful formulations like pine pollen and shilajit. Shilajit sounds esoteric, but it's actually ancient. And we discuss why it's so helpful and powerful in this conversation, including how he came up with it and how he built his company from scratch over the years. The pine pollen is also fascinating. This is a new formulation that they are creating and it's pretty revolutionary. I tried it this morning, really enjoying the effects. And that's really what I like most about based supplements, the Shilaji and the pine pollen is that you can feel these things. Most supplements can't really feel them. These are salient. If you'd like to try them, there's a link down below. You can use the coupon code CASE to save 10% off your order. Try out the Shilajit. Great while traveling to increase your access to mineralization, an important foundational component of vitality. We also discuss Eric's health journey. He's been through ups and downs like all of us, and now he's currently jacked. We talk about his bulking diet that he's currently using to put on muscle mass and training modalities as well. There's a lot. I could go on detailing every point we talk about, but you'll enjoy this conversation. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to contribute to Peak Earth, I'd appreciate that. That's always cool. You could leave a five-star review on the Apple app or the Spotify app. You could share an episode out across social media, or you could carve the Peak Earth logo on the side of a mountain on a just nice big cliff face. You could climb up there, probably with ropes and a climbing system, and then just chisel it out. It might take a few months, but that'd be pretty cool. You don't have to do any of those things. I really appreciate you tuning in. Thank you. And I hope you enjoy this episode with Eric here. How are you? Good. How are you, Case? Doing great. Glad to glad to connect. We were just riffing a bit before we started recording, and we've been messaging back and forth online for what feels like years at this point. I have no idea how long it is, but it's awesome how you can establish a relationship and what I feel like is a friendship through the internet simply by exchanging comments and replies and messages. And, and now we're finally get to be doing it in, in real time, face to face and co-creating this podcast episode. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And we were talking about it before. There's so many people that you meet on the internet and your pen pals for so long, but you really create relationships just based off of Twitter, based off of Instagram. And it's really nice to put a face to the name, a voice to the name and finally meet face to face. But I'm happy to be here and I'm excited for this podcast. Me too. I know you've got a ton of knowledge and experience in multiple domains at a high level. So I'm excited to learn more about your story and your mission, how you got here, what, you, what you're up to. And just for starters, you're the founder of Base Supplements and yeah, for an amazing Shilaji. I actually have it here. I'm going to show it to the camera. People on, watching on YouTube can see there's this box, which is the tablets, which is pretty revolutionary for Shilaji, which typically comes in something like this, which is a, a yeah, I was you've got it. Too. It's a tincture, but it's like, it's crazy because this stuff is very unique. It's like a, a tar resin. You can see it's a sticky black resin for, for lack of a better word, which kind of makes it sound like a 
you know, I think a, a drug, but it's not a drug. It's a, a mineral supplement. And I'm sure you can explain it much better for me. I remember when I first heard about this, it was through Ben Samuel, one of the first episodes I made. And I'm, I'm calling it like, what, what is this shilology stuff? And he's like, oh, it's a shilology. It's awesome. <laughs> it's a bit of a tongue twister, but it's really an amazing multi-mineral supplement. Yeah, 100%. There's so many benefits that come with shilogy. It's a beautiful substance, super good mineral profile. A lot of the benefits are coming from the fulvic acid content in it, which is a byproduct of a process called humification of plant matter that occurs in super high mountain ranges. So you'll see a lot of the companies currently on the market, they source from Himalayas. There's also some US-based companies coming out because you could harvest a similar substance in the Rocky Mountains, albeit we didn't call it shilajit here in the US, but it's uh, it contains a lot of the same ingredients. And then we source ours from the Altai Mountains in Russia, which I've seen over uh, tons of different lab tests that Altai Shilajit always comes out on top in terms of fulvic acid percent and also just purity of the product, right? Because there's so many different contaminants that could be present in natural products, depending on where it's harvested from, if there's pollution in the area, all that sort of stuff. So we test for heavy metal content, mycotoxin profile and really just work to deliver the highest quality product on the market. I perceive shilajit sort of in a similar space as salt. And you can correct me if I'm, I'm wrong here, but I know salt is also mined from mountains a lot of times or derived from the ocean, like Himalayan sea salt, for example, that's pretty sure it comes from, from mountainous regions. And it, it is just like a mineral in, in, in a lot of ways. And this is almost, I see as like a, a super salt because it has a lot of the minerals that you'd find in a salt, but in a more dense form and, and hence why it's, it's a much more dense substance. Is that sort of a fair way to perceive shilajit? Yeah, hundred percent. It's definitely a fair way to perceive shilajit and just perceiving a lot of the gifts that the world gives us in general. A lot of these compounds that come straight to, from the earth synergize so well with the human body. And it's just a matter of finding what works best for your goals. I know that one of my previous podcast guests, another one was uh, Dr. Dr. Bill Schindler, and he talks in his book, Eat Like a Human, how eating earth has been a common practice across mankind for a long time. And that's literally just like eating dirt or adding ash. These things that we've now seen as kind of crazy, I think, in the, in the popular mainstream American culture, like why would you be eating dirt or ash? But it does have profound medicinal benefits. And when we look at supplements, the best ones are, are medicinal. They help us with disease or discomfort and they help us elevate our vitality. How did you discover Shilajit? What was it like when you first came across it? Yeah, so it's actually not a crazy story at all. I literally found out about Shilajit by scrolling Instagram when I was about probably 19 years old in college. So it was during COVID. I bought Shilajit from an Instagram ad and I started experimenting with stuff when I was home and couldn't do anything else because the world was locked down. So I started experimenting with a lot of these holistic substances and shilajit was one of the things that I really felt profound effects from. So I actually looked into the compound a lot, started learning a lot about it. And then I affiliated for a different company and started putting a bunch of my friends onto it because I was like, this stuff is gold. And if I could get as many people onto this stuff to help increase their health and vitality, then I'm doing a good thing for people. So I affiliated for this company, probably put like 40 to 50 people on and I was so good at, at talking about the benefits to my friends. And I was like, damn, this is going to be the first company that I start after college. So the idea of base supplements was actually an idea for three to four years before I even started the company. Um, 
I continued experimenting with some herbal compounds. One of the other ones that I found profound effects from is also pine pollen, which for the longest time I knew was going to be the second product as soon as I could build a bulletproof supply chain for that as well. So yeah, just anecdotally based on my own experience with these substances and going into the deep dives myself with learning about the benefits that they can provide to other people and really where they came from, their sources is kind of the inception of my company. Awesome. And I'm glad you brought up Pine Pollen as well. I'm fascinated to learn more about that. I think we'll circle back to that after we cover more about the Shilajit because I definitely have some more questions about this stuff because when, when I use it, I feel energized, but not in a way that's caffeinated or frenetic, which, you know, sometimes caffeine can be a little bit more heady, but with mm-hmm. Shilajit, it's more earthy. It's more of a foundational energetic and that's a little difficult to describe, but definitely something I feel. Most supplements, I don't feel in, in a tangible, yeah. salient way. I definitely feel Shilajit. I feel more energized, more more grounded. Is that similar to the way to what you get from it? Yeah, 100%. And the acute benefit of that energy boost that a lot of people feel, I kind of pin it down to a description of a calm, cool confidence. Because like you said, it's not really like a jittery head energy that you'll get from a stimulant such as caffeine or nicotine, but you take the Shilajit and not only do you feel the acute effect of uh, the first time you take it, but as you stack it over days and weeks, you kind of feel a different energy within yourself. It's kind of this calm, cool, centered confidence that you exude rather than just like feel in your head. Yeah. And a lot of that comes down to the fact that we are crystalline multi-mineral beings, these, these minerals are often missing in our common food system and, and having access to those minerals activates our full human being. We, we really need minerals. And I think normally we would get that from water, but the water is often coming through tap and then it's either filtered or drinking straight from that system. And it's, it's going to be relatively deplete of minerals. And that's why electrolytes are such a, a massive industry now because people realize like, oh, I feel energized when I get this. It's like, yeah, you haven't been getting any, any minerals. You know, salt has been demonized. So getting access to like real deep multi-mineral, even trace minerals too. Like there, there are so many minerals beyond magnesium, potassium, and sodium that are just like, those are kind of the foundational electrolytes. But we've also got just countless minerals that are present in something like Shilajit that really are helpful at a, at a deep, deep way. Yeah, definitely. And it's not only the mineral content that's present in Shilaji, but also the fulvic acid is very much synergistic with the minerals, not only that comes from the substance itself, but but actually helping you absorb the minerals more readily from the food that you're consuming. Because like you said, um, our mineral content in our food is definitely not what it used to be. Modern farming practices really depleting the soil of common minerals that we need, like magnesium, um, and yeah, I mean, the modern food system, you definitely need to be supplementing with something that's going to help you uptake more of these minerals that are essential for so many of your different body processes. Powerful. So fulvic acid, that's a bit of a unique term. I don't think many people are going to be familiar with that unless they've done some deep research on on, on supplements. And I know it's getting a little bit popular in certain sections of, of social media, but how would you describe the importance of fulvic acid and, and like why is that why is that an important player in this yeah so fulvic acid actually is not just one substance uh found in shilajit it's actually an array of a bunch of different types of organic acids that 
have similar benefits of allowing you to help uptake those minerals that are responsible for hundreds and hundreds of your body's processes. Also, a lot of the effects that come from shilajit have to do with those hormonal benefits, right? Because you see the commonly cited studies of the balance of female hormones, the increase of endogenous testosterone production in men. And a lot of that comes down to um, us being nutrient deficient and our body not being able to produce the right amount of hormones based off the, based off of the food that we're consuming regularly in our diet without being able to absorb it properly. So you could talk about the benefits from folic acid that come from the stimulation of the uh, luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone in our hypogonadal pituitary axis that help uh, produce testosterone and sperm respectively. So yeah, there's just a wide array of fulvic a uh, benefits of fulvic acid. And I mean, the benefits go on and on. And, and that's why shilajit is such a beautiful substance to be taking every day. Hypogonadal pituitary axis? Yes, hypogonadal. Actually, it's funny because it took me so long to be able to pronounce or say that term all the way through without messing it up. <laughs> if you look at prior podcasts with me talking about the benefits of shilajit, I would... I would jumble that term so horribly that I would just like give up and not say it all the way through. But through practice, I've gotten way better at saying that. Uh, but yeah, it's a funny one. It's a great term. Great term. It's uh, probably the best the best word I've heard so far in my life. It's uh, I'm gonna have to. <laughs> I think I'm gonna name my firstborn child that uh, hypogonadal pituitary axis. It's a that's a great. Yeah. Term. <laughs> so you're you're definitely yeah. like really well versed and, and knowledgeable all, about all this and uh of course that makes sense you're, you're the founder of a company that sells it were you were you always the sharp and on the ball like going through school were you a, a top grade student and excelling in, in the classroom or is this something that, that turned on after you left school like how how, how about how's that played out yeah so i was always a smart student growing up in like middle school high school i was actually top 10 percent of my class so i knew that i was up there. But when I got to college, I actually entered with a biology degree. And I originally was on the path to become a doctor because that stuff definitely interested me way more than anything else in the realm. And I looked to make a career out of that. Halfway through college, I got introduced to this whole internet money sphere. And I kind of got myself involved in some dropshipping. And I saw that it was possible to make money on the internet. So I ran up a dropshipping store to like $13,000 in a month. I was so excited. I was 19, 20 years old. I booked a one-way flight to San Diego, balled out. My ads died, came back, had no idea how to revive them, had no more money, went back to school. But it kind of gave me that little taste of, hey, internet money is possible. So after that, I bridged over um, into a business marketing degree. And I kind of left the biology degree in the past because... Uh, moving forward, after I graduated college, I definitely wanted to do something more in the business realm, something a little bit more entrepreneurial. The thing with turning into that marketing sphere in college, it kind of made me lose a drive to try harder in school because a lot of the stuff that I was learning was very surface level knowledge. And I would compare it to the stuff that I was listening to on YouTube, the things that I was learning from the mentors I had at the time. And there was just such a discrepancy. And I'm saying to myself, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to use any of this knowledge practically after I graduate college. So what's the point of paying attention? So in college, I essentially just cheated my way through the, the last two years. Um, I didn't do I didn't do poorly whatsoever. I still got great grades. But in terms of actually retaining knowledge from the classes that I was taking, 
definitely not retaining them. And that was by my own design. Like I really found no value in learning just like super service level marketing stuff. And I was learning way more from stuff that I was getting myself involved with on the outside. Awesome. I asked because I, I look at you, I'm like, dude, this guy's in his young 20s. He's super fit and healthy. He's got a successful business. He's like some kind of superhuman over here. He's got it like, you've got, it, you've got all these like excelling across multiple dimensions. And it, it's awesome. Awesome to see. Very inspirational. And I guess to, it, it's good to know that you were kind of moving in this direction all along. And this is an iterative evolutionary process. But I, I do know from some things that you've shared that your fitness or health has gone in ups and downs and you, you've gone through a journey with that as most of us have. And I'm curious, how has that played out your perception of, of health and, and fitness? Because for folks who are just tuning in or aren't aware of your stuff, you're jacked and exude a high level of vitality. I don't think you were always like that. What was, what was the situation on that? Realm? Yeah, hundred percent. Not always like that. And I think a lot of this comes down to kind of this extremist personality trait where I have to be getting a hundred percent out of everything that I'm doing. So when it comes down to diet, which is a great topic to talk about, I went full vegan. Um, this was probably four or five years ago. I went full vegan because I kind of watched all the propaganda and said to myself, this is going to be the way that I optimize my health. And this is going to be the way that I get myself to that next level in uh, terms of diet and health. So I ate full vegan for an entire year straight. And a lot of people demonize the vegan diet. Um, and I wouldn't say that I necessarily felt bad during it. But after I got off the diet, I think my body adjusted to that style of eating. And the, those uh, chronic health issues kind of started to arise after I started to reintroduce that meat. And it's not to say that meat and eggs and dairy are the main drivers of poor health in society. But if you set up your body to not be able to digest any of that stuff and you go right into it, that's when the issues kind of arise. And I wasn't eating completely clean after I stopped eating vegan. It was mostly like Chipotle bowls and uh, going out to Taco Bell like two nights a week with my college friends. And that's what I thought that meat was in a diet and it really didn't turn uh i really didn't make the huge switch into this holistic based diet um this animal based diet until after i graduated college where i started eating way more quality meat started introducing raw milk uh took heal healing my gut super seriously uh there's just such a discrepancy in going from like one end of the bell curve to another but yeah, it comes with that extremist mentality. It's like you have to go all in on something. And that's something that I actually had to kind of stray away from at this phase of my life because you really need to be experimenting with different things all the time. There's no one end of the spectrum that's going to give you 100% of those benefits that's going to move the needle forward for you. Now we, we, we've joked around online that, that your nickname is Eric the Dairy Destroyer. Yeah. And it hasn't always been like that. So I actually have a crazy story with dairy. When I was young, I was actually pretty severely lactose intolerant. Um, I would avoid milk going out to eat with my friends. I would always carry these lactase pills for whenever I had to eat a slice of pizza or whenever there was ice cream for dessert, because if I didn't have those lactase pills, like, oh, oh boy, it was not a fun time. Um, so my entire life, I thought that I'm just genetically lactose intolerant and I'm never going to be able to digest milk like the people around me. 
So fast forward to uh, two years ago, I hopped on the carnivore diet and the carnivore diet is amazing in terms of allowing your gut to really heal back to that state that's uh, able to digest more things in the future. So I did the carnivore diet and I removed all gluten. Gluten is definitely something that is a big driver for gut issues. Uh, gluten increases zonulin and zonulin is responsible for those gap junctions in your gut, which allow more harmful substances to leak into your bloodstream, which causes those inflammatory responses, not only inflammation in your gut, but inflammation all over your body. So carnivore diet helped me heal my gut. I was able to slowly reintroduce some fermented plant foods. And then I started experimenting with raw milk. So raw milk was a huge step for me because I mean, my entire life, dairy would just destroy my gut. So raw milk over time, introducing those, uh, those helpful bacterias to help help me digest more milk overall has actually allowed me to eat all dairy without any problems now. So, I mean, if I open the fridge behind me, I literally have like two gallons of raw milk on me at all times, drinking <laughs> one fat glass in the morning, a fat glass in the middle of the day and a fat glass at the end of the day. And it's crazy because my entire life, I never thought I would be able to do that, but it's just the power of understanding how these foods actually synergize in your body and the ways that you could adjust your body to be able to digest these really nutrient rich whole foods. It's a beautiful story and is playing out across the world, especially over the past three years, raw milk has become quite popular. And for the exact reason that you described, it's, it's very healing, nourishing and vitalizing food. And it allows us to activate or access more of these enzymes, which then give us the wonderful opportunity to digest dairy in all forms, cheese, ice cream, all these, like the be really just the best foods on, on earth. And it's just so great yeah. to be able to do that. Cause I think almost all of us have the experience of growing up and being some for lactose intolerant as it's called, which is, I guess, really better called something like uh, impaired digestion or, or, or pasteurization intolerant. Cause the, the food's been devitalized of all these enzymes that allow us to to digest it. And it really is so awesome that we're able, most of us are able to access raw milk. Hopefully all of us one day will, will have access to some good quality local raw milk. Yeah. Being able to digest dairy has been such a game changer in my life because not only is it some of the most nutritious food that you could eat, it's some actually some of the most anabolic food as well. So that's why I'm drinking milk all day because it's definitely one of those uh, needle movers in terms of anabolism from your diet. Um, <laughs> But it, it's crazy because, like I said, my entire life, I thought that I was just impaired because I lacked the gene for this lactase enzyme. And that's how a lot of people think. They think there's just like one reason why they might be impaired to, for example, digest milk. And it didn't occur to me until after I started experimenting with new things that there's actually other ways to go about healing yourself. And I mean, it was it's such an eye opener because raw milk aside, like there's other things in your life that you think there's only one way to fix them, but uh, you think there's only one reason why it's affecting your life so negatively, but there's a million ways to fix certain problems. So that kind of uh, is making me bridge into a realm of just experimenting with new things always, because at the end of the day, you don't know what's going to work and you don't, don't know what's not going to work until you try it. 
It's a beautiful perception of optimism. There really is infinite solutions out there for every problem that exists. And it, it can be frustrating having to deal with a problem. It feels like banging the head against the wall because it's like over and over again. It's like, I can't solve this problem, whatever it is. Maybe it's health-based. Maybe it's wealth-based. Maybe it's relationship. Maybe it's your own inner sense of self. And you can keep banging your head against the wall. But knowing that there are infinite solutions out there for this thing, whatever it is that's vexing you, eventually you will find a way so long as you continue on, on the path, one foot in front of the other, continue trying things and, and you can reach a play, a, a better, higher quality of life and a better state of being through just continuing on the path. Yeah, it's definitely an important concept because people will go through the monotony of life and just keep on doing the same things over and over and expecting a different result, which is the definition of an insanity. But <laughs> just trying new things just allows you to just, for I mean, just for like the most basic way to put it, just like generate more creative ideas, give yourself new perspectives and allow yourself to really bridge over into new realms of life that you didn't even think were possible at one point. So you mentioned three glasses of milk a day, three fat glasses. What what else does a, a regular sort of, if there is such a thing, day of eating kind of look like for you? How does that play out? Yeah, so it's cyclical for me. It kind of has to do, I, all, my diet always is congruent with my goals at the time. So my current goal right now is I'm in a bulking phase. I'm going through some traditional body lifting, uh, bodybuilding, following a progressive overload at the gym. And my main goal right now is to gain weight. So in terms of gaining weight, you want to be eating as many calories as possible. Now for me, it's difficult because I have a high BMR to begin with. My metabolic rate is super healthy. So even if I eat like 3000 calories a day, I'm still not going to gain weight. So a typical day of eating like for me right now is pretty crazy. My breakfast that I just had, I had 10 eggs, uh, two cups of raw milk blended with six egg yolks and some maple syrup and for sweetener and cacao. And that's a delicious and nutritious breakfast. And I have that every morning. For lunch, I'll either do a pound of ground beef or around a thousand calories of steak and then some simple carb like white rice or white rice noodles, which is super easily digestible for me. And I found a lot of benefits to eating more digestible carbs. And for dinner, it's typically the same thing. It's some sort of easily digestible carb like white rice or white rice noodles. And then I'll have some more red meat. I'll trickle in some chicken during the week just to uh, diver diversify my meat consumption. And also for omega-3s, I'm eating uh, one fat meal of raw fish per week. I eat a serving of oysters per week as well. And then I supplement with like glycine bone broth to make sure my amino acid profile is balanced. But I mean, that turns out to be like 3,900 to 4,200 calories per day. And I'm still struggling to gain weight over here. It's, <laughs> it's pretty nuts. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Those, those 10 eggs in the morning, how do you, how do you cook those? Yeah. So I just crack 10 eggs into a bowl and then I fish out six of the yolks. I'll put them into the side to blend with my uh, raw milk smoothie. And then I'll just throw the eggs into a cast iron skillet, cook them, put them in a bowl, throw some salt on top, hot sauce, super simple, nothing too crazy. Awesome. Okay. So for anyone who wants to follow Eric's bulking program, there you go. You've got it. You've got it. Laid yeah. out there. It's, it is, that is quite a lot of food. Are you just like full really full all the time or like what's what's the experience like consuming that much food what what i've found is that when you first start eating uh that huge amount of calories after not having done it for a while you definitely feel full all the time but at this point where i'm doing it every day my body actually adjusts very very well to anything no matter 
what I'm doing. So I'll eat like a 1200 calorie breakfast. And then by 12 o'clock, I'm, I'm hungry again. So my body is utilizing those nutrients very effectively, I've come to see. And I mean, my body is just like very much adjusting to everything that I'm doing, um, which I think is a good trait because um, adaptation allows you to survive in different circumstances. And I think my body kind of has that inherent understanding that you you neither either need to adapt or die in any situation that you're in. So <laughs> I don't I don't really feel like crazy full all the time, which is surprising at like 4,200 calories being 170 pounds. So you're wow. Okay, so you're one. Here's something crazy. You weigh 170. I weigh 190. I probably eat a third to a quarter of of the amount of food food that you just mentioned, yeah. and I feel full. So that's why I was wondering, like, man, I, I would I would feel like my belly would be bursting at every meal, and I'd be just completely full. But yeah, it it is that is amazing. I should try I should try that for for a while and, and see what happens. I'm I'm curious to to see how it would go down, play out. Yeah. And just a disclaimer, I don't eat like that, like year round, hundred percent would never eat like that year round. It's just for my current goals to bulk for these next eight weeks. After these eight weeks are up, I'm going to reassess what I want to do next. But yeah, I mean, it's important to definitely cycle diet, cycle training, cycle everything. You don't want to be downing 4,000 calories every day for 365 days straight. I'm not sure what that's going to do to your health, but yeah. I mean, I wasn't doing it. I wasn't eating this way literally a month and a half ago. I was training strict, unconventional kettlebells, maces, clubs, sandbags, which is also a very enjoyable way to lift. Uh, but my goals were different. My goals were to increase my cardiovascular health, to strengthen my connect- connective tissue, strengthen my functional movements. And at that, with, with those goals in place, like the uh, formula definitely isn't 4,000 calories a day because with that type of training, I'd probably puke every time I work out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. I'm glad you added that disclaimer because that, that does add some great context to, to the uh, protocol. And I'm now yeah. wondering, I feel like we've gotten a pretty good cover on fitness, your fitness program. Is there anything else you kind of wanted to add to, to the way that you approach fitness and, and health that, that is worth going over? Or do you want to talk about a different topic? Yeah, I think an important topic to talk about and something that Noah actually talks about a lot on Twitter recently is cycling your training. And that's a philosophy that I abide by throughout the year as well. You never want to train strictly like a bodybuilder your entire life. You never want to train strictly unconventional your entire life. You never want to do anything the same for long periods of time because that's monotony and you don't want to put yourself in that monotonous state and not be able to explore new things like we talked about before, is just exploring, exploring, finding those creative outlets. Um, So right now, if my goal is to gain all this weight and put on all this muscle, it doesn't mean that in 12 weeks, I'm not going to go back to training unconventional or maybe joining a fight gym, which is actually one of my plans when I moved down to Florida in March. So yeah, cycling your training um, definitely will give you a unique physique. It'll give you a a unique fitness profile compared to a lot of other people that are currently training the way that you're training. So right now I'm putting on a lot of weight and I'm like peak strength, 10 pounds lighter than my previous bulk, but I'm able to not only bench three plates, like a lot of people that are bodybuilding, but I'm also able to do splits. I'm able to juggle kettlebells. I'm able to just put myself into positions that otherwise would probably tear a bodybuilder's shoulder off or (laughs) 
yeah, like you just want to make yourself like way more well-rounded than the people surrounding you. And that's what you're going to get if you kind of expose yourself to different realms of fitness throughout the year. Awesome. Yeah. Adding, adding new challenges and then progressing towards those challenges. I believe that helps our, I think it's Sarah, I think it's the serotonin systems. So then as we, as we progress through that goal, there's more of a natural draw to it. So like having this as a part of the fitness protocol, it makes it enjoyable to like, you get stoked to go, to go train as opposed to like, Oh, I'm going to go do the same thing today that I did last week that I did last month. And they're always having, and th this is part of, part of my practice. The way this plays out for me is like trying to get better at something like a handstand or, and then progressing to, to a one-arm handstand or whatever it is. There's always something that is a drawing me to the practice and engaging me in a way that brings my full body, mind, and soul to the, to the moment and, and making me excited about getting after it as opposed to something like what you mentioned, where it's monotony kind of doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, I can't imagine hitting chest tries, back buys, <laughs> shoulders, arms, and then legs four days a week for my entire life. Like at some point, I mean, it has happened to me in the past. You just get bored. And I mean, you want to make everything congruent with your goals. And I really like the way that you approach your fitness as well. It's super holistic. It's super, like you said, connected to the mind, body, soul. And that's important because our bodies are vessels for communication with the outside world. And a lot of people just approach fitness as I'm just going to become the biggest meathead that I possibly can. But it's kind of like a back, uh, a backwards way to approach it because you're not really moving the needle forward in any other facet besides just getting bigger muscles, which I mean, big muscles are cool, but what's cooler is actually having a good connection with your body and a good connection with the way that you communicate your outward self to the world. It's deep. And I think we all get drawn into fitness at the beginning for bigger muscles to get to have to, to get women i think ultimately like every every man is like yeah, sexual fitness it's hardwired biologically it's not crazy to say it like it's it's biologically we want to be big to be attractive 100 that, that's how like well, or to get good at sport a certain sport like those which is you know the only reason guys want to do that is is to get to get women as well for the most part so like that <laughs> we all get into fitness and then we end up on like bodybuilding forums and so like that's kind of the foundation of, of men's health in a lot of ways is, is that whole uh culture of like getting bigger muscles and then and then going about it in a way that is you know, bulking and, and consuming a lot of protein which can lead people to eating these like products that are high in, in isolated protein metrics which aren't necessarily good for holistic health and and I took that approach to fitness because I, I find myself stuck in an office or um, stuck in a computer all day and wanted to be outside. Uh, granted, I live in a place where it's beautiful every day all year long for the most part. So I'm able to train out in nature and that in itself provides a certain degree of variety and uh, chaos. So the, the monotony is, is naturally dampened by the fact that I'm in nature. I can hear the waves of the ocean and, and the, see the birds and look at the clouds as, as opposed to sort of like the same inner electronic lit gym environment where there's like people wearing there's there's like a certain element of monotony to being inside that is just a natural part mm -hmm. of that environment that you get a, a complete 180 on within the diversity of being in nature but i know not everyone has has access to that opportunity so i'm grateful for that but that's also been just my natural path and and part of what i, I try and share is is that is accessible to a lot of people and, and you know it's a free way to get a, a lot of other holistic health factors like like sunshine and, and earthing and um, all the calming sort of aspects of the sights and sounds of nature that are, that are good for our nervous system. 
Yeah, training in nature is definitely beautiful. And you actually inspired me over the summer to take a lot of my training outside to the beach because the way that you train, I was like, hey, you're so connected to nature and everything just looks so beautiful and holistic. So I trained down at the beach for a while over the summer and it was great. Like I was doing handstands like you, I was doing push-ups on the sand, I was doing like air squats, just kind of moving my body around, free flowing. Um, but obviously it's a little bit tougher for me being in New York over the winter, it's 30 degrees out and beach workouts wouldn't really be the same uh, over the winter here. So I try working out in my backyard, but one of the things that I definitely uh, love about the gym that I go to in particularly is the social aspect of it. So it's harder for me to really kind of work out just in my backyard without being able to like see faces and then make conversation. And that's one of the reasons why I think it's important to also choose a good gym, not only a gym that has good equipment and also people around you. Like it's important to have that social aspect, bounce ideas off each other, get some creative synergy flowing. I really, I really love the gym that I work at at Unique Fitness in Long Island. It's just such a good community. It looks great. Yes, I've seen you share videos of juggling kettlebells there, and there seems to be a lot of unconventional equipment, and and it just looks like a dope space to be. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of cool people there to to connect with and and jam with. And yeah, that is, that is definitely an added aspect of being specifically where I am in Santa Monica, where there's original Muscle Beach, where there are people there training out in nature that that's not something that is in most places aside from like Miami and Los Angeles that I'm, that I'm aware of. It is, it's something that I'd love to see everywhere, but not at this point in time, there aren't adult playgrounds everywhere, but it is, uh, it, it'd be cool. You think like every town could I just have some kettlebells and like weightlifting equipment. We have playgrounds for kids, but adults need movement out and, you know, as gym equipment as much as anybody, but you know, the, our, our country is very far from that, from that point in time. And in this, in this point, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm excited to go to Florida too, because that'll give me some more opportunities to train outside and have that social aspect where other people are in the environment and I can talk to strangers. Talking to strangers is actually a very enjoyable thing once you get used to doing it, because you don't really know like what type of ideas different types of people have until you start to kind of pick their brains and bounce ideas off each other. And that's important. That's also uh, a realm of monotony that a lot of people sit in is just talking to the same people every day and not being able to get those different perspectives. And you're going to get those perspectives if you put yourself out in an environment like uh, Santa Monica, right? Yes. Yeah. Like in the beach in Santa Monica, you're going to see people that you don't see every day and you're able to uh, synergize with your environment and just have all this novelty around you. So I'm excited for the warm weather in Florida. Definitely going to spend more time working out outside. It's tough here because you go outside and there's no one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're the only crazy dude working out in 30 degrees. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's just a completely different way of being. And from the perspective of what this, what this brings to your life, I know you've been running based supplements. How many, how many years have you been? running based it's not it hasn't even been two years yet it's uh oh. august 2022 is when we launched the shopify store so it's been a year and a half Amazing. Uh, but in that year and a half the the growth has been crazy it feels like this business is it feels like this business is five years old because when i look at the person i was a year and a half ago i it's a completely different person like you i wouldn't even be able to recognize myself awesome and it how did you come up with the name based supplements Mm, 
That's a that's an interesting question because it, it was kind of a hunch that I just had. Um, I had a TikTok for a little while and I called myself Based Eric. Um, and I was just kind of sharing ideas off the dome with no filter. And that was kind of the basis of the brand there. And then I decided to just make a company called Base Supplements. And I really like the name that we chose because it's definitely an eye-catchy name. A lot of people like the company itself, not just for the products, but also just supporting the actual message behind Base Supplements and what it is. It's living your life authentically and not really giving care to what other people think about you. So, I mean, the name communicates a lot. And I'm glad that we went with the name Base Supplements because I think it definitely is one of those words that communicate way more in just a single word. Yeah, it is. And based, based is a funny word because it has kind of emerged in the past, at least for me, I in the past three years where I became aware of it. And then I, there's this period of like, what does that mean? People keep saying this word. I've never seen it before. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a great word though. I'm, I'm curious, what is it? What does based mean to you? Yeah, based to me really just means speaking authentically. If you're on base, then you're kind of beating around the bush and you're catering to what you think people want to hear. But being truly based is putting yourself out, putting your ideas out because they're authentic to you and not really caring what other people think of that, of your opinions about the world. And I mean, base could have a multitude of different angles. Like base doesn't mean that you believe things in a certain way. It just means that you believe things that are true to yourself. It's a great answer. Not what I was expecting, but I really like it. Yeah. People relate. Uh, there, there's definitely a connotation to the word based when people see it a lot on Twitter, whether it's in like political Twitter or uh, I don't know, health Twitter. But I think the more encompassing definition of that word would just to be would just be like you're doing things because you truly believe that that's the right thing. What about esoteric? That's another word that, that we see a lot more these days. What, what is esoteric? Yeah. Mean to you? <laughs> Yeah, esoteric too is just, uh, I don't know, like esoteric is just like out of the blue, like definitely something that is not conventional and not widely accepted by the general populace generally in society. But yeah, I mean, esoteric is just like weird. I would I would relate it to the word weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's similar. Similar take. Based and esoteric, two great, two great words that are uh, described. Yeah, it's kind of like the basis of our pen pal relationship. We just call things based and esoteric on Twitter. It's a good, great way to live. If you can tap into those two words, those two states kind of simultaneously, which is difficult to do. But if, if you're able to like get it, get into that way of, of approaching the world, being authentic and also being weird, you know, being weird in an authentic way, I feel like that's sort of, a really powerful path to sort of engage with whatever all this is. Yeah, it definitely is because you said it, it's just authenticity and authenticity is something that the world lacks a lot of nowadays because everyone is kind of, kind of aligning themselves with what they think they should be perceived as and kind of trying to stay as congruent as possible to the standards of society. But the real, the real way that society moves forward is these authentic personas the people that bring new ideas to the world, the people that go against the general accepted ideas of the populace. And I think it's an important uh, aspect for a lot of people to tap into is just being as authentic as possible and living your life the way that you want on your own terms. Because after a while, if you just live a super inauthentic life, which a lot of people unfortunately kind of box themselves into living, you're not going to live a very fulfilled life because you're conforming to the ideas of others and not being your truest self.
Well said. What what is your mission with base supplements? What calls you to bring forward that authentic self in a, in a courageous and consistent way every single day to bring about the growth that you've had so far? Yeah. So base supplements, the first two products are based on my anecdotal experience with how these two substances elevated my own health and vitality. And the first step in being authentic in that sense is delivering this product to as many people as possible. Now, in the inception of the company, it was really finding the best supply chain, creating a bulletproof supply chain that really brought that authentic product to market in terms of quality, uh, potency, uh, lack of contamination in the product as well, and bringing that beautifully crafted product to as many people as possible, products that make a difference in people's lives, products that could help elevate people's health and vitality. And you see it in a lot of the products that we're going to be delivering in the future this year, even with the pine pollen. The pine pollen is a product that I developed, I helped develop from scratch. Um, and it's unlike any other tincture that you'll see on the market. We use a specific alcohol by volume extraction in it. We do a dual maceration and we're using a specific pine species that I haven't seen any other company in the market use because no one's willing to put in the research and finding how these different species can deliver better benefits to people. So, I mean, you look at a lot of the different pine pollen uh, products on the market. Most of them are from a single source, which is China, um, which is the place that's mass producing all of these uh, big market supplements. So you'll see on the label, a lot of these pine pollen supplements, it's Mason pine pollen. And that's just the stuff. If you saw on my Twitter, that's sitting in heaps in these warehouses uh, just kind of super unsanitary, but the base, the basis of creating a bulletproof supply chain and a very quality product is actually owning the entire supply chain and building a product from scratch and harvesting it ourselves and macerating it ourselves and bringing something to the market that's super authentic and can help elevate health and vitality of everyone in the, in the world for a lack of a better way to put it. Awesome. That's powerful. And I love hearing that because we are suffering collectively from a lack of health and vitality and, and to think that we can access some of these amazingly sourced, intentionally crafted superfood supplements to be able to bring our full self forward with in, in, in a powerful and impactful way. I think we can, that that's such a, a foundational aspect of tackling many of the challenges that, that we're faced with both as individuals and, and, and as a collective. And I haven't tried pine pollen before. I've, I've heard people talk about it. Does, does this come from pine trees? Like, is that what, pine pollen is. yeah so pine pollen is the sexual medium of male pine trees so it is the substance that's responsible for pollinating the female plant and bringing to life new uh new life from the world so being the male sexual medium of pine trees we essentially call it pine tree semen um, so it contains a lot of those similar bioidentical androgens that are also found in humans as well as specific androgens that are um, particular to pine trees. So they're called gibberellins and auxins and other phytoandrogens of that type, but those interact very similarly to our androgen receptors in the human body. And you see this across many different species, right? You see one of the big products in the market right now is deer velvet. Uh, deer velvet is the uh, velvet on the deer's antlers that's shed it off, but allows those male deer to grow their antlers super fast. So it's a mm -hmm. potent source of IGF-1, which is a big factor in the 
uh, how growth hormone works in our body. But you look across different species and you see these different substances that interact in a way to bring life, bring rapid growth. And those actually interact very similarly in the human body. So you take pine pollen and you feel that potent androgenic boost. And I mean, I call um, the feeling of confidence, uh, the feeling of energy from shilajit, like a comical confidence. Pine pollen is like a conquer, like conqueror energy type energy. It's crazy. I, I'll send you some for, for sure. After uh, we wrap up this podcast, I'll get, uh, I'll get your address and I'll send you one of the tinctures. We actually just got 200 more in stock and we're dropping again next month. So. Awesome. Thank you. That's you know, tremendous description. And it, it makes me think of the only other, the next closest thing is, is, is bee pollen that I'm familiar with. Does, are those have any similarities or no, just the name? Not really. Bee pollen is uh, kind of just the pollen picked up over many different plants, whether it's like flowers or other different type of plant species that bees bring to uh, that is found in like the actual hive of bees, but it doesn't have the same phytoandrogen content that pure uh, what we use jack pine pollen has. Cool. Okay. That makes, that makes sense. It's, it's wild to think that there are all these interesting aspects of nature that we can just kind of figure out, find, take, decipher, you know, uh, dilute and, and, and turn them into this, you know, potion, this like magic elixir that we can then access this like different way of being human in the world. It it makes life sort of feel like this uh, almost kind of like a video game in a way where we're trying to access these different things to power up like Mario for lack of a better metaphor, but it does feel very sort of video game masculine when we look at it that way. Yeah, they're power-ups, literally. I call the pine pollen tincture the real potion because you take it and it feels like, you you feel like a potent boost in like that male characteristic energy. Um, but yeah, it's super interesting just like looking at life as a video game and concocting all of these specific things and harvesting these certain herbs and certain mountain tars and just putting them into our body and seeing what type of power-up it's going to give us. It's super interesting. And it also in terms of business too, like, being at this level of business, everything kind of just feels like a video game. Like you're making, uh, you're building systems, you're making ends meet, you're putting puzzle puzzle pieces in place that allow things to operate more readily. And I mean, it's all done from a computer and it feels like I'm playing a video game like every single day, which is a cool feeling. What are some of the challenges that you faced being an early entrepreneur with a tremendous amount of growth? How has that, how has that played out? What has that adventure been like? Yeah, so taking this back to talking about remembering the mission and your why for why you started the company, it was definitely a time of way more motivation and way more authenticity for me when I first started the company. But when you get to the realm where you're starting to deal with big numbers and you're putting out fires consistently, you're trying to optimize for example, like conversion rates or trying to lean out your business, cutting costs and everything, a lot of it starts becoming about the numbers. And that's where it's super important as an authentic business owner to remember why you started the company, because there was a good period of like two to three months where I was so caught up in the numbers that I kind of lost that drive for actually delivering my mission to the world, which is creating these amazing products to help change lives, elevate health and vitality. And I mean, I got so caught up in the numbers for two to three months, I was making the most money I ever have in my life, but I was... I mean, looking back at it, it was the period of most where I was just the least motivated, where I was feeling the least fulfillment for my business. Um, 
And I had to take the time to recalibrate and remind myself, like, there's a reason why I started this business and it's not to make money. The overarching purpose of the business was not to make money. It's to deliver these amazing products to the world. So uh, making that pine pollen tincture definitely helped me recalibrate because it gave me that excitement again of making something from scratch and delivering a new product to the market that people are going to love. And it's just something that I have to consistently remind myself because, I mean, you're dealing with like huge numbers, huge, huge numbers every month and it gets super stressful, but definitely taking the time to recalibrate is important. Awesome. It must be wild, especially considering you started this August of 2022. It probably started off fairly, you know, small or at least containable. <laughs> and, and now it's yeah, grown so much. <laughs> were you expecting this? Um, like, what, what were you expecting when you started out? Yeah. So I created the company, obviously, with a mission to make it my main source of income and kind of to live my life on my own terms and deliver stuff that I actually had a passion behind. Um, But for the growth that we saw last year, I never, ever fathomed that I would reach that scale in such a short amount of time. And that's where recalibration comes into place because things move so fast, right? Things move so fast. And then you get to this point and you're just like so stressed about things that don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. And that's why you really have to remember why you started and what your real uh, purpose and mission is. But if you told me in August, 2022, that we would scale to seven figures in less than a year, I would be like, no shot. There's no way I could do that. But yeah, just like putting myself into different realms, meeting people on Twitter, which is what helped the brand get off the ground, starting to talk with uh, bigger players and like paid media, starting to spend money to get the product in front of more faces. uh, That's what really propels the company. And yeah, it's just crazy to fathom the growth. And it's still hard for me to conceptualize it now because we're still growing and it's crazy. What are some of the biggest challenges that, you, that you're currently facing either personally or, or professionally now that you're at this this point? Yeah, professionally is just creating a super lean business because when you have so many expenses starting to stack up month to month, um, you definitely have to go through your business and audit like where you're leaking money, where you could be spending more money effectively hiring better people that are good at things that you're not necessarily necessarily better at than them. So uh, yeah, taking those extra steps to hire people that are better than me and say paid media, Google ads, Facebook ads, TikTok, all those different realms, email marketing. Um, and then personally, uh, on the personal side, it's just like remembering the mission of the business, not to repeat myself so many times, but it's, it's just so- something that's so important to me because I went through that period where everything was just kind of a headache and it feels way more fulfilling to just focus on actually creating products and delivering them. Yeah. It's, I mean, that what you shared, that's important for anyone, regardless of stage. If, if we boil down mission of of the company to just like meaning and purpose in in life, that's just so important. Mm -hmm. Such a core aspect of being a well, operating human being and easy to lose sight of in today's age when we have to kind of like force to stare into this glass portal of infinite information and entertainment that is just like siphoning our, our dopamine. It's like we, we got to interface with this technology and, and it's, it can really contort our brainwaves and our perceptions. It's difficult to sort of stay grounded, stay, stay aligned with, with our meaning and purpose. And, and it's such an 
essential aspect of, of being just like a mentally healthy person that it is really worth mm-hmm. driving that that point home because it's it's so so essential and so slippery yeah definitely i like uh i think we could bridge into the topic of talking about just like dopamine in general and how it affects the way that we uh operate in our day-to-day lives one of the things that i've come to learn about myself is that i'm either dopamine maxing or i'm sitting back and taking life super, super easily. I'm never in between. I'm never, and that comes with the extremist personality trait where it's like, I'm either all in going all in and like working on my business schizo all day, or I'm taking a step back and flowing with life and just letting my dopamine kind of, sit at a standstill and really heal those dopamine receptors up. Uh, But yeah, it's an interesting way for me to live because it's always just like one end and then the other end. I can never just be the person in between that just coasting through life with like regular <laughs> dopamine levels. Uh, but yeah, I'm curious, like, how do you kind of operate in your day to day life in terms of uh, just like driving everything forward with dopamine or if you do like dopamine de- detoxes or anything of that sort? I I don't I haven't done like a, a, a strict dopamine detox, but I, I probably should should consider it. I do. I do feel myself addicted to the dopamine drip or dopamine as, as I like to call it sometimes like this, this app based dopamine that we get through mm-hmm. social media or the internet. And it's, it's incredibly difficult to face because there, there's not an easy, clear solution aside from just disconnecting. Like you mentioned the, the oscillating towards just saying, okay, I'm going to turn everything off for a while. And I, I believe that the, the multi-day fasting, my, my seasonal, three to five day fast practice has been helpful to that because I naturally don't want to be on my phone, especially once the sun sets. So that, and that, that's, that's another, I think big one is, is once the sun sets, I'm, I'm pretty much putting technology away. So there's this natural sort of circadian alignment or um, foundational principle where I, I, I really strive to be away from technology at night. So there's that sort of natural ebb and flow that I try my best to adhere to that I think is helpful on a a daily basis. But I I also struggle with it. It's like it's absolutely a daily struggle and and something that I feel is is really a a major roadblock for me in in my life and something that I'd I'd like to try and face down and get a grip on in this in these coming seasons. And I got to figure it out because it's it's a major, major struggle and is certainly hurting my life, but is also the, the double-edged sort of it is it's like, well, it's also helping my life too. Cause this addiction is like, I find out a lot of cool things. I meet a lot of cool people. I'm, I'm able to share things that people enjoy. And, and there's that dual side of it where it's difficult to know in the moment, okay, is this going to be a moment of like waste of time or is this going to be a moment of valuable time? And it's kind of like rolling dice. You never really know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you said before, like uh, wrapping up your day and once the sun sets, just putting all technology to the side and kind of being to yourself and letting your brain rest. And that's what I kind of see with myself too. Like during the day, I am schizo working. I am, I have the two knickknacks in, I'm driving my business forward. But as soon as the sun sets, I throw the blue light blockers on, I put the red scale on my screens. I try not to go on my phone at all. um, And I kind of just like relax. And that's the duality between like being a hero all day and then being a monk at night which I've seen uh, a slew of benefits from definitely. Uh, But yeah, I mean, in general, nowadays, there's just so many dopamine inducing distractions around us. Uh, A a big factor of it is our phone as well. 
and you said it's like is, is it helping me or is it hurting me well i mean we both come from twitter twitter is definitely a place where there's so many synergistic ideas you're learning so much new things from new people um but there comes a point where you're on your feed and you're absorbing all this helpful information and then 30 minutes go by and then you realize you're in the brain rot section to Twitter and you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, why, why am I spending so much time on this app? Uh, so it's kind of just like catching yourself in those instances. One of the things that I've definitely seen a lot of help from is the OneSec app. Have you downloaded that on your phone? No. Yeah, the OneSec app, uh, you basically uh, attach it to any app that you think you spend too much time on and say it's Twitter, you click Twitter it'll make you take a deep breath. And it's like an annoyingly long deep breath. It's probably like 15, 20 seconds. And then after you take a deep breath, that kind of lets you calibrate yourself and ask and have yourself ask you like, why, what's the purpose that I'm about to open this app? And it actually makes you select an intention. So if you give yourself that deep breath, time to think, and then actually have to set an intention for why you're going on the app, it makes you think twice. And if you have no real intention for going on Twitter, it's like, yeah, I really have no intention for going on this app. It'll just make you close it out. But if for a specific intention, for example, like I have one of my things that says, I'm literally about to write a tweet. So I'll click, I'm going to write a tweet and then I'll tweet it out and then I'll put the app to the side. Uh, but that that app has definitely been super helpful for me. Awesome. I'm going to try that and report report back, see how it goes. I'll let you know. It's, uh, it seems like it'll be really helpful. Intention is the key to the attention that we give to this thing, because if we are just using it as a distraction or as escapism or as a way to, you know, uh, fall prey to resistance in our life when we know we should be doing something else, that, that's that's where it, that's where it really becomes detrimental as as opposed to being yeah. constructive and creative. Yeah, and you don't realize how much time you actually spend of your life on these apps. I've had the OneSec app probably for six months now, and it'll calculate the average time that you spend when you open the app and then multiply it by the amount of times that it stopped you from opening it. And it'll tell you the total time that it's saved from your life. So mine is literally like multiple days of my life saved from not opening these apps, <laughs> which is a crazy, which is a crazy metric to see. Cause you're like, damn, I really spend like six full days a year on social media. Like it's crazy. Wow. Yeah. That, that really does add up. And it sounds like that's been a powerful technological solution for you and you've been putting those extra days to good work growing based on, on a mission to help people access a higher state of of health and, and vitality so it, it's been a, a based in esoteric conversation that that i've i've really enjoyed and and getting to know you better and hearing more about your mindset and, and your mission has been really enjoyable so i appreciate you taking the time to connect with me and, and share everything that you have and i wanted to give you opportunity here to share anything else that you have in, in mind as we bring our, our conversation to a conclusion. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on the podcast. And yeah, just wrapping it up, uh, the main lesson that I kind of wanted to get across in this podcast is remember your purpose, remember your mission, make sure that you're exploring different modalities of life and exposing yourself to things that could help trigger new creative ideas and just go through life super authentically in the best way possible and be based and esoteric. Powerful. Yeah. Eric here. Thank you. Thanks, Case. 